You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Hey, 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 cannolios. It's me, Tony Gapastone, and I'm all by myself because... My wife, uh, it's only been six days since I have been back into the state of California after my trip to Sundance, which I'm going to talk about today in some reflection, but uh, my wife got tickets. This is how our life works sometimes. We seriously live with our hands open month to month right now. It has been a crazy time, crazy adventure in this new season, nine months of starting our own thing, paving our own way, and... I'll share a little bit about this today. It's really, really hard and humbling, but we are praying and working so hard and also trying to see how this is going to work out. And it feels as if we just kind of have our hands open going, we don't know how, 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 but things like this happen so much. I know to many of you as well. And it just is a reminder that it's going to work out. I use that all the time and sometimes it seems so silly. But anyways, this morning my wife got a text message from a friend of her saying, hey, I have two tickets to the Warriors game. Do you want them? And my wife is a huge Warriors fan. And she rolled over and said, honey, do you want to go to the Warriors game? And I said, no, (laughs) I am not a basketball fan. As many of you know, I could not care one iota less. It's just impossible for me to care any more less about basketball than I do. But I love my wife. And I said, you should go. You should take one of your friends and go to a basketball game. And so my wife is in the Oracle Arena right now eating some, I hope, some warm uh, pretzels and a big overpriced soda, diet soda that she loves, watching her beloved Warriors win against the Miami Heat. And see, I know that. That's actually a good a good thing that I even know that much of who they're playing. But I'm digressing, but she deserves it because I said I was gone for a whole week and I'm in my not even back for a week yet. And so I'm sitting down at the podcast booth, better known as our kitchen table to do some reflecting because I have some scheduled podcasts, but I thought, you know what? I need to do a little bit of thinking and reflecting. For me, going to Sundance every year, this is my seventh year, is a retreat, literally spiritual. I feel as if it refreshes my soul. I find hope. I find renewal. I find a ton of inspiration. Partly that's why I started Brave Maker. I wanted to bring a little taste of that experience through film, art, and culture and conversation to the Bay Area. So here's what I want to talk about today. I've been thinking a lot about leadership, which is kind of a roundabout topic, I think, to reflect on being at this epicenter of film and art and story through Sundance. But here's why. I know I'll get there. So my seventh year going to Sundance, I had to figure out my own way this year because the past six years, I would always go with a group. And this is a group that, and I'm going to be careful. I don't want, this is not bagging on people. I'm not trying to name names. I'm just going to talk about the story as it pertains to me. It was a group that I would go with, you know, like kind of like going uh, with a travel agent and they take care of all the arrangements. They get you lodging. They give you your tickets. They arrange food, blah, blah. So I had done that. And with my previous 
previous uh, employer, it was actually a perk that they would pay this way for me as part of my ongoing education, which was so awesome because I was in the art and culture realm in my last organization that I worked with and they paid my way. So anyways, this year I go, cool, I'm not with that organization. I got to pay my own way, use my own money. And I was looking to go with the same organization again because it's what I've always known. It's, it's easy. I just, you know, click, click, click and show up and everything's put out for me. But I asked them if I could have a discount this year because money was very, very tight for us. And uh, I, I've also been volunteering with this same organization for almost a decade now, giving a lot of my time to help and to promote and to serve at their different events as well. This is an organization that's um, doing you know similar stuff that I'm interested in with art and culture and film. And I was really surprised when they said, you know what, we really can't do that. We, we, we can't give you a discount. And I was super surprised. I was thinking... Um, I'm actually finding my own way for lodging. I'm going to stay with a friend, ironically, a friend that I met through this organization. So I don't need you put some effort there. I was just hoping that I could get into the group ticket packages with you. And they said no. And honestly, I have to just share. I was super, one, surprised, but really discouraged by by it. Because <laughs> uh, it's already been a really challenging time. Right now, I'm trying, you know, the struggle is real, that phrase, I'm hustling, I'm working different jobs with freelance gigging, I'm still applying, I've applied to over 132 jobs in the Bay Area, and I've only had two interviews, just two out of 132 jobs. And I'm not trying to create a sob story, I'm just trying to tell my story as it is. So I just kind of sat back and, and thought like, gosh, this is really crazy, okay, I guess I'll figure it out myself. Um, and, you know, to be humble, uh, humbly honest. I'm not saying I'm so humble. I mean, to be, to be honest, you know, um, I feel as if so much of my life is the realization that nobody's going to save me. (laughs) The realization that, uh, you know, as much as I pray, and this is not, please don't hear me say I'm losing my faith, but I think God is re-energizing my faith to say faith is not just about, uh, asking for things to be handed to you. It's actually putting work to what your faith is. And so that's actually a scripture from James. Faith without works is dead. So if we claim we have faith, but we don't act on it, then it's kind of not real. So I had to get my butt in gear and do some research and figure out how to buy a Sundance ticket package. Now, if any of you have bought a Sundance ticket package before, it's really not easy. You uh, have to go online, um, pay your thing, and then you get like a certain date where you get to pick your tickets, almost like a little bit of a lottery within the course of one week, and you actually have like a time limit on the computer as you're picking your tickets, and there's 120 movies to pick from, and uh, you know, I bought a 10-ticket package. So I was a little anxious and nervous, did all my research, looked up movies, got my, my date and got on the computer and I made it. I did it. Yay. You know, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And check this out. After all that was said and done, I saved about 50% than more like than going with this other organization that I would always go with. So me taking the work into my own hand saved me about $500 which was really cool and money that I needed. And so as I'm at Sundance, I also not only did I not have this ticket package and I didn't have the same group, I kind of was more on my own than normal, but actually gave me this freedom to go to more workshops, see more movies. I saw 17 movies at Sundance. Oh my gosh, that is like bliss for me. There's nothing better than just spending your day going to movies, 
not only hanging out with old friends, because I always reconnect with old friends, a couple friends that I just met even like last year, we hung out a ton. So shout out to Ryan Parker and Christopher Hibma. Super grateful. I met up with my friend Damian Smith, who we both met at the Urban World Film Festival in 2015 when he had a short film there. And I had my first short film in New York, New York City, the Urban World Film Festival. We got together for pizza. Uh, my, my friend Brad Serralo happened to be in with some friends skiing, got together with him and his buddies uh, one night. But lots of connections. I met this new guy named Spencer Fulmar, who's a producer, director in LA. And I was just, just so reminded as I'm going through this, this, um, this week of leadership. What does it mean to be a leader? And I know this is a roundabout way to get to this topic of leadership. But as I was kind of figuring it out for myself, in some way grieving that I didn't have what I used to have, it just made me think about this journey of nine months of starting a new thing, leaving a job for 20 years. It made me think leadership is not just about having people follow you. Leadership is not just the accolades of seeing your name and lights or even running an organization. I think the phrase lead by example, um, everybody is a leader in some way. Everybody by taking simple initiative to take ownership of your life, of your thoughts, of your feelings, of your passions, and do something about it, you are, even if you feel like no one's watching, you're doing it for yourself. Like leading yourself is one of the best ways to be a leader. And so as I'm going through this week, I'm feeling as, and I'm having like the uttermost high, by the way, I feel like I am like on this supernatural mountain spiritual high all week that also almost every day I would have these, lows of just thinking and grieving about, oh, things are different in my life right now. But I'm so glad they are. I'm so glad for these moments to be sad, to think, oh, I don't have this routine of the same program in my life, literally for this week of Sundance. Two, I don't have some of the same rhythms back at home. My spiritual community has been radically changed. I don't have some of the same friends. Like I literally lost friends and companions and people along the way just because of the change of starting something new. It's just the reality that not everyone's going to go with you. Not everyone's going to care. In some ways, I left my, my old job, my old church community, um, I mean, I just ran into someone last week in downtown Redwood City who said, oh, I haven't seen you around. You know, they talked about the old church community I was a part of. And I was like, oh, I haven't been there. And I, I left nine months ago. This person didn't even know I left nine months ago. And it's just kind of that reality of like, wow. I think, you know, that was part of the church culture institution I was a part of. It was a fairly large community. So you don't see everyone on a regular basis. But the, I don't know, that, that grief just hit me of like, wow, things are just different, but this is leadership. Leadership is leading yourself through those times and telling yourself the truth that this, in order for me to move forward, I have to lead myself and I have to say goodbye to things of the past. There's no way that I could become a leader, someone who influences others, which is part of the goal here, unless I'm willing to lead myself out of complacency and stagnancy and limitations for which I definitely felt like, you know, this program that I was a part of at Sundance that denied me participation as well as my old job and life for 20 years was getting to a place of where I'm not really fully growing anymore. And I have to take a step forward. I have to cut some things off in order to grow personally as a human being, but also to become a better leader that can eventually lead and influence others, which leads me to now talk about 
the part about influencing others. So uh, I hope you can take something from that on, uh, in your own journey. If you are feeling in some way that you need to take ownership for your life, or make different decisions, or you see yourself as a leader and you want to grow as a leader, or maybe you don't see yourself as a leader, but you're just seeing that you need to make some changes that will make you a more healthier, vibrant, energetic, fully alive person. I hope that applies. But now I want to talk about how do you know if you are around good leaders? How do you know if there are good leaders in your life? And if you're not around good leaders, what do you do about that? So one of the things that was making me think about what a good leader is versus a bad leader is um, the people in my life that I was in relationship with, were they, did they care about helping others or was it just about their own platform? And here's an example that I'm trying to live out. As I started Brave Maker, I am trying to recognize that I don't want to be, although I'm the leader of the organization, I'm not, I don't want it to be all about me. My face does have to be on all these videos that I'm doing and all the literature and the Facebook and the website, all that stuff. But I don't, that doesn't, that's not the end all be all. If that is what it is, then I'm just pumping my own platform and it's really about my ego and there's part of my ego that's in it. Sure, I want, I like being in front of the camera. I really do. But if I want to be a good leader, I'm telling myself I have to have a plan to usher others in, wrap my arm around other people and say, hey, there's a place for you at this table. The idea or the phrase of, am I opening the doors for others? So when I think about the good leaders in my life, it's the people who literally... Like when we're walking into a door, hold the door open and say, go ahead, you first. But also metaphorically, the people who say, I don't have to be the person always in front of the crowd or the church or in front of the, the crew or the theater or the organization or the volunteer team or the, 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 the PTO, whatever it is. It's the leaders that say, let's get other people up front to share their stories. Let's get other people up front to be a face. Let's share, if you're in a, in a church, let's share the pulpit with people of color. Let's share the pulpit with women. Let's open the doors for the underrepresented to come and have have their say. And so when I think about Brave Maker, I'm telling myself, like, this is important. We're not even in our first year yet, but I've got to be saying, who are the women? Uh, obviously, I'm a cisgendered, straight, white American. Who are the people that have different voices and different experiences that I can bring to the table? And it's not always easy because it really requires intentionality. And so as I'm looking back at my life, I go, oh, I'm so grateful. I had a great youth pastor when I first came into the, um, the high school group of the church family that I was a part of in Rockford, Illinois, David Bates, did that intentionally. I didn't have a ton of experience in leadership, but pretty quickly, he gave me opportunities. Even when I was fumbling around, even when I was still figuring out what it means to have faith or be a person who follows Jesus, which I'm still doing that 30 some years later. <laughs> uh, he turned over platforms to me and I'm just so grateful for that. Another person is Jody Mullen Fundell, who was my chaplain in Chicago at North Park University. I also felt as if she did the same thing and her being a woman, an underrepresented leader in most church cultures, she got to... Uh, open the door for other people. I, I don't know if you can hear that. My text is going off. My wife is texting me right, right now with her seats <laughs> at the at the Warriors game. She's got like amazing seats. She's very, very happy. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. 
Um, so I am so grateful for people like Jody at North Park who opened the door for me. Like Jody gave me the the chapel, you know, to be able to speak at the chapel a couple times and gave me leadership positions, even though I was like, you know, only at the college at one point for a year before she opened the door for me. And so I'm really thinking about this for, uh, for our listeners, for Canolios. Uh, do you have people in your life who are opening the door for you, who you sense have your best interest in mind, who maybe even step aside to let you in to a, a conversation or let you into an opportunity instead of maybe taking the, the reins on a project, they are giving the reins over to you. If not, I would really challenge you to take stock and think, is this a place, a church, uh, a project, a community, a friend group, a uh, volunteer organization that I should continue moving forward with if I am not giving, been giving opportunities to grow. And, and here's why I think it's important because we can do the same things over and over and over and be seen the same ways it, it, and nothing can change. And that's fine if that's what you want. If you don't care about growing as a human being or growing as a leader, then that's fine. But if you have aspirations to become something more, even if it you know means like job compensation, you want a promotion, or uh, I've told this to actors and people in the film industry, if you want to be an actor, um, a real actor who has lines and has a prominent role in a TV show or a short film or a feature or a whatever web series, it does not benefit you to keep doing extra work, which is basically like movable furniture in the background. Same thing with people who want to be filmmakers. A production assistant is something that's like well, kind of on the lowest you know, um, rung of the, the film crew, but it's a necessary rung and it's a way to build your resume and to learn. But if you are only being seen as a PA and your friends or people that you know are just asking you to PA, then it might be time for you to say, hey, I would like to be something different. And this is, a. am gonna shout out Hope Garza. Hope Garza is an assistant director in the Bay Area. And she was on two of my films, 1440 and Counting and Neighbor. And she was in a production assistant role the first year. And then she became the key, the captain, if you will, of the production assistants the second. This time when I started talking about my feature film, she just called me and said, hey, Tony, I want to be your assistant director. I have the skills and the experience. Uh, I did this on your first two films, and then I went and built my resume in these other places on these other films, and now I'm ready to be the number two in charge here and to schedule and to run the set. And I was just super impressed that she took ownership to do that. And I felt as if that was leadership to me. And if I were to say no to her, if I were to say no, then that would communicate, I think, to her that it's time for her to move on because she shouldn't take a role that's beneath her. And please hear me here. Don't don't hear me say that it's about our ego uh, or that we should you know demand that we're better because simply because it's about like our ego. I'm not saying that. I know ego is a part of it. I'm really just saying what's a healthy work environment, a healthy church environment, what's a healthy creative environment is if that we're just seen as a certain rung uh, volunteer or employee, then we are putting ourselves at a disadvantage. In fact, it would be better to benefit a company or a church or some sort of creative 
group for that person to say, you know what, I think it's time for me to move on and you guys to get someone else because I'm actually holding you back. And this goes back again to my story. When I knew it was time for me to leave my organization and my church, I was getting to a place of where I'm hitting 20 years. I'm feeling discontent. I'm feeling as if my creative abilities are being stifled. I'm feeling like I have a lot more to talk about a lot more stories to tell. I want, I love the church and I want it to be bigger and better and expand and embrace everybody and include everybody. And I wasn't getting that in my space that I was in. So that was one of the reasons why I knew it was time for me to jump off and start something new. And it's been the hardest thing in my life. Uh, it's challenging for uh, our marriage to be able to, to trust God to trust each other with like, how are we going to make our bills? How are we going to do this? It's really, really exhausting and anxiety ridden this whole process. Um, and at the same time, it's enriching the heck <laughs> out of us as human beings, because we have to face things, uh, in each other from my wife and I, but just in ourselves, how we have to face things in our faith with God. And it's teaching us like, okay, um, am I listening to to, to God? Am I listening to myself? Am I, am I partnering with the people that I need to partner with? Am I holding the door open for other people? Am I listening to the stories? Like for instance, when I think about Brave Maker, I hope people can say that, oh, Brave Maker is an organization that is giving opportunities to women. Uh, Brave Maker is an opportunity that is that is holding the door open for underrepresented communities. And it's not just about Tony. And so I'm you know, so grateful for it. We have a great group of volunteers and could always use more of people who are putting on our monthly screenings, people who are putting on our film festival. And just to do a little bit of a shout out, we have a film screening on February 22nd at Box Headquarters in Redwood City, California. And that's a Friday night at 7 p.m. And it's a whole night about the Latino and the LGBTQ plus community. And we're going to talk about the power of story for these two communities and how film and music and photography express those communities' deepest needs and longings. And the, the goal for us is to learn and to listen. And we're going to facilitate that conversation on a podcast. I have another podcast called the Brave Maker Podcast, which I'll probably steal portions of that for Holy Cannoli as well. But we have a slew of volunteers that are making that happen. And Rebecca Amosa, who is a, one of our main volunteers, grew up in Canada. She's Ghanaian, which means uh, her dad's from Ghana, but she grew, uh, went to school and lived in Italy and Spain and uh, married a guy from Panama and now they live here. So she's super cultured and she has sort of taken the highest volunteer lead in Brave Maker and co-host the Brave Maker podcast. And it's so fun because I'm getting to learn from her as well. And my, my gosh, part of my goal with Brave Maker was to do just that. I think it came out of a place of recognizing that I... I lacked and I, I grieved that I didn't get some of these things in my other spaces. And uh, another person, another woman in our group, Jessica Musgrave, who will um, also help produce podcasts and she edits and usually she's the one who's pulling all the quotes. So hey to Jessica. Uh, she was 
a production assistant on my first film, and then she became a producer on the second, Neighbor, and now she's also producing this feature. And I'm looking at that going, that's what I want to be about. I want to be about elevating and lifting other people. And it's not always easy because not all of us always agree. I don't mean to paint it as this hunky-dory. Everyone gets along and it's great. You know, the creative differences we all bring to the table are something that's so good. But I look back in my past and go, I felt like I was at a disadvantage partly because I, I stayed too long in certain places. I let myself be viewed as only one way. Uh, and that was a way that, that kept me from growing as a human being. And sometimes I think organizations need to see us say, nope, I will not tolerate this any longer. I will not let you just treat me as a volunteer. I'm not just here to... Um, you know, pick up the mess for somebody else. I'm not just a number three or I'm not just a number two. And again, it's not like I'm saying I need to be number one of every organization. I'm saying it was time for me to step up and become a number one in an organization, be my own boss so that I could then hold the door open and pave the way for others. And when I think about one of the coolest examples of Jesus, the life of Jesus, I think about this idea that Jesus paved the way for us and Jesus in his earthly life as a human being showed this very same example. And gosh, we could probably summarize this whole conversation with leadership, holding the door open for other people, um, sharing the table, sharing the, the wealth of, of space and influence, that it really goes about, really comes down to trust and value. And so when I think about these conversations, I go, every opportunity I've, I've received is because someone valued me. Every door that was held open is because someone trusted me to walk through it. And, you know, if Hope, uh, when she came to me, if she were to present herself and I would say no, like, that no would communicate that I don't trust her or don't value her. But I do, I do trust her and I do value her. And I wanted to bring her up into that role because it was the right timing. And Jesus does that for his disciples. Jesus does that, I mean, after three years, three years of being with these 12 men, and then obviously the circle of other, the, the 72 other people who were around him, the women who he ushered into the very prominent seat of teaching at his feet, he trusted them and he valued them. And he showed that with how he treated them, how he included them. And then the beautiful part to me, I think, is, you know, the very end of his life, it's only three years. He tells them he, it's better for them if he goes because when he left, he was going to give them the promised spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be with them and they didn't feel ready. They didn't want him to leave. They didn't get it. They all deserted him after he was arrested and tried and crucified. And so I look at that story as being very profound for us to look at leadership if we want to be like Jesus, we need to be trusting and valuing people in our companies, in our families, parents, with our kids, really, really hard. But we need to teach them that we value them and we trust them. Like when it comes to technology at the right time, we trust them to have a phone when they're a teenager or whenever that we trust them to stay out late. We trust them to get from point A to point B when they say they're going to. We trust them to make the food for one of the family dinners. We trust them to make a decision, to tell us where, how we're going to spend our weekend. We trust them to communicate to us about how they understand 
God and theology, how they understand the way the world works, because we need to learn from them. So gosh, that, when you, that's it. if you take anything from this podcast, it's just thinking about that as how has Jesus paved the way for us? How has he trusted and how has he valued us? And if you are in a space where you are not being trusted with leadership, you are not being trusted to come to the table, to share your story, to be who you are, if you are not being valued with what you bring and your giftedness and your ideas, whether okay, it's a creative firm or it's a church or it's a volunteer organization, then actually it's not only just good for you to leave, but it's good for that team to feel your absence when you leave too. Because that's the challenging part of leading yourself is valuing yourself and trusting yourself, trusting your ability to follow that spirit within that tells you what is good for you. Because sometimes when you leave that organization or that church or that creative whatever, those people have to figure it out without you. And as tough as that is, to be able to like uh, leave someone in the lurch, it's really good for an organization to have to go, wow, we didn't value that person and now we have to learn how to move forward on our own. And that's hard, but it's really good. It's good for both parties. Jesus trusted us. He trusts us to figure it out. Even when we're not always all that trustworthy, even when we don't have all the answers, he sends us out into the world. And so one of my favorite phrases lately is, if you're scared, that's great. That means you're ready. So cut the cord, lead yourself, pave the way, figure it out. And that is being an example to others. Jesus believes in you. God trusts you. God values you. So I I don't know who this is for today. Uh, this podcast was kind of a uh, something that just was bubbling this past week and I felt like I wanted to talk about it. I did a little tiny video on our Facebook, our Brave Maker Facebook page. And I talked about cutting the cord. If you want to grow and become the leader you're meant to be, sometimes you just got to cut the cord. Cut the cord of fear. Cut the cord of toxicity. Cut the cord for uh, anything, anyone who is holding you back and spread your wings and fly and become that person and take a risk. It's a big risk. It's a really big risk. Being a leader, leading yourself and having influence on others is a risk because there's always a chance you're going to fail. And that's how you define leadership. It's the simple influence of others. And sometimes we have a negative influence on people. There's a lot of leaders, especially in our culture today, leading our country, uh, leading or huge organizations, leading churches that are abusing their power. And I can't stand for it anymore. There are too many leaders who are, are oppressing women and holding back people of color and excommunicating the gay community. And I'm just not okay with it anymore. I'm not. It's not okay. And I hope us as a community of, of people who care, if you're listening to the, this podcast, I guess I'm assuming you care about things like the sacred and the strange, and you're interested in spirituality and justice. And so in whatever sector you are, whether you're a house dad or a house mom, um, or you lead a, you know, a Silicon Valley uh, multi-million dollar Fortune 500, or you are an artist, or you're a teacher in elementary school, or you're a preschool teacher or a janitor, or whatever you are doing, you have the power to influence and lead people by first leading yourself. You are worth it. You are worth it. 
You are made and created in the image of the creator of God. And you have that in your very being. You have a story to tell. You have the sacred spirit within you that gives you the direction that you're supposed to go. And I hope, I hope you follow it. I'm trying to as well. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Don't forget that um, you can always message me on social media, uh, anywhere that I'm on social media, Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Tony Gapastone, G-A-P-A-S-T-I-O-N-E. Or, you know, Brave Maker is our nonprofit in which Holy Cannoli is the, um, under the, in the umbrella. And so we have an email podcast at bravemaker.com. Uh, thank you guys so much. Please share this, share comments, give us a rating and a review, and um, maybe we'll have more of these types of things. I'm because of my um, my my speaking schedule and my uh, connection with different churches. I'm um, occasionally doing public speaking in different places in the Bay Area, but it's not as much sometimes as I want. So I guess I'll I'll use the Holy Cannoli podcast to be able to share some of those thoughts and those feelings. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe. Give it a review and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.